God's Word and turn with me uh, to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and find verse 3 with me. John, chapter 1, verse 3. And I hope that you have made room in your heart uh, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that as a 19-year-old who was lost apart from Christ, I, uh, that was a scary thing for me, and uh, trying to uh, figure out if there was any truth to this gospel story, trying to figure out if God was real, and if God was real, is there any way that I could have a, a real personal relationship with him like people were promising and like I was being told? And so it's perfectly understandable if you're here today and you would say, you know, I'm coming, someone's been inviting me, or I've been coming because I'm sort of a seeker, I'm, I'm not for sure where I'm at. Maybe you're here and you would say, you know, I think I'm a believer, but the truth of the matter is sometimes at night when I lay my head down on my pillow, I wonder if I really know God, if God really knows me, if something happens to me, am I going to be eternally secure with Christ forever? And I have wonderful news for you today. Jesus is the revealed glory of God. He is the revealed glory of God. A matter of fact, he says, if you want to see the Father, look at me. For if you have seen me, you have seen my Father who is in heaven. Last week, we began looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And what an incredibly difficult text, right, to understand. Uh, the one encouragement that I had was one of uh, our dear people this week said, I had never thought about Jesus uh, being so pre-existent, right? I thought that Jesus came as a solution to sin during the incarnation, but and I knew about the Trinity, but I never thought that Jesus is part of the Godhead that was working in creation as well. I have wonderful news for you. Today's message just builds on that wonderful truth about this pre-existent Christ, right? Jesus, the beginning of all things. He's not only the beginning of all things, but he is the revealed glory of God. If you want to know how glorious God is, man, the Lord unfolds him to us in his word. And page after page, especially in John's gospel, we get to see this wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, high, exalted, and lifted up. John begins by uh, showing and revealing that Jesus was with not only God the Father, but the Holy Spirit from uh, before time began. And then he just builds upon that theme uh, one uh, chapter after another. And so this morning, if you're here and you're just not for sure where you are, and you would say, Pastor, uh, tell me the truth this morning. Is there a way that I can really know that I have life and that I'm going to live forever and that I can know God personally? And I want to say to you, there's absolutely a truth in that question and there's truth in the answer. Yes, you can know him. A matter of fact, when Jesus became real to me, convicted me of my sin, and began to let me know that I was a sinner and that he loved me and longed to save me, you know what he did? He granted me faith to believe that. If you say, Pastor, I would trust Christ, but I'm not for sure that I could live it. I hear all these horror stories about people who started in church or people who started coming to church and then later they turned away from the faith or later they just quit serving God. What about a person like that? And I would say one or two things have occurred there. Either they didn't know Jesus really from the very beginning and their life was never changed or they're just being tried and tested and they temporarily, right, temporarily have turned away from the faith. But God's going to continue to pursue them and work in them and draw them back. 
And so I want you to hear with me and read together with me verses 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Jesus, how he is the revealed glory of God. And what John has to say about this wonderful Jesus. Because in verses 3, 4, and 5, we see how Jesus uh, reveals the love of God to us how Jesus reveals the life of God to us, and how Jesus reveals the light of God to us. A matter of fact, those three words, the theme of and the idea of Jesus' love, Jesus' life, and Jesus' light, it's the reoccurring themes that we find in John's gospel. We see it over and over and over again. A matter of fact, he not only states that in verse 4, that Jesus is life, but he ends his gospel by saying, I've written these things unto you so that you may believe and in believing that you may have life in and through my name. And so I have wonderful good news for all of us today. Jesus knows you and he wants you to have life in him. And so let's read God's word together. The Bible says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. One of my favorite hymns um, that I feel like I cut my teeth on growing up as a new believer in Christ when I came to faith in him is a hymn that was written by Gloria and Bill Gaither. A matter of fact, out of all the stuff the Gaithers have ever done, this is by far the favorite thing that they have done of mine anyway. I think it's one of those hymns that will stand the test of times and the church will sing it for a long, long time to come. Here's the words that they pen: God sent his son and they called him Jesus. How many of you know the hymn that I'm saying now, right? Because he lives. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance that this child who's born a sinner and this child who's born into a sinful world, this child can face uncertain days because Jesus lives. And then that uh, last verse, and then one day, We'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the light of glory and I'll know he reigns. You guys know the chorus, don't you? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. In and through Jesus, there is life. In and through Jesus, we know the love of God. And in and through Jesus, he demonstrates the glorious light of God to us in a tremendous way. Look with me at verse 3 and notice what he says about how Jesus reveals the love of God. Because if you're a student of God's word and you hear verse 3, you would say, wait a minute, I didn't capture God's love in verse 3. I captured something about creation uh, that would really equate to the power of God. But I want you to notice what he says, and I want you to think deeply with me about verse 3. 
He says, all things were made through him. That means all things were made through Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. What John does here is he presents a tremendous biblical truth, an eternal truth about Jesus, and he does it in a positive way, right? The Holy Spirit does, so that those of us who hear in a positive format can hear and understand all things were made through him. And for those of us who learn in a negative way, he lets us know in a negative way the other implication. Without him was not anything made that was made. What the Holy Spirit is doing is he wants us to see and understand that Jesus was not only with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit from before time began, but he is this active agent in creation. So what does that have to do with the love of God? Well, Jesus reveals the love of God to us, first of all, through the Holy Trinity. See, we can't possibly understand everything there is to know about God and the Holy Trinity with our unlimited minds and with our feeble minds and understanding. However, one of the things that Scripture helps us clearly understand is the perfect love and unity that exists between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is what I'm trying to help you understand this morning. The Bible's wanting us to understand that when God chose to act in creation, one of the things that he was doing was he was beginning to reveal himself to us, and as he revealed himself uh, to us, it was him demonstrating the wonderful unity and love that exists between the Godhead. Here's the way Jesus puts that in John 17, verses 25 and 26. He says, O righteous Father, this is in his high priestly prayer. This is on the night that he's betrayed. He's with his disciples in the upper room. He's leading those men in prayer. And here's what Jesus prays. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And then he expresses his love uh, and allows his disciples to know that he loves the Father and wants to do everything that the Father has commanded him in John 14, 31 when he says, but so the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. And so what he is saying is this, that before time began, there is a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that relationship was perfect in all of its ways. They did not compete against each other. The Father is perfectly God. The Son is perfectly God. The Spirit is perfectly God. There is no jealousy. There is no envy between the Godhead. They all work together in tremendous unity in accomplishing the purpose of one single solitary God. And it is through this thought and idea that the Trinity in perfect harmony wanting to make itself known to a sinful, to, into, uh, to let itself known to sinful humanity, they began to work in creation. That's why he says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. God reveals himself and constantly reveals his love to us through creation. I don't know if you realize that or not, but one of the wonderful things that occurs through creation is that God reminds us that 
Jesus is this wonderful originator of it all. Here's the way the Apostle Paul helps us understand that. In Colossians 1, listen to what Paul says. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now here's a wonderful truth for you to grab a hold of this morning. The very idea that God demonstrates his love to you and I through his creation by reminding us that Jesus is this active part of creation reminds us that Jesus not only acted in creation, not only acted in the universe that was created, not only did he act in creating you and me as human beings, but the one who has the power to act in creation is the very one who has the ability to sustain the very created order that has occurred. Preacher, are you telling me that you're not a green movement person? Are, are you telling me that you don't believe in 10 years the world is coming to an end? I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. When Jesus is ready to establish his kingdom here on earth, when he's ready for the world as it's known to be ushered into the kingdom of God and he puts an end to all evil and to all sin, I know at that time in God's approved plan and time that all things are going to work out for good to those who have been called and, um, and love the Lord, right? And so, no, I don't fear what's going to happen 10 years from now or next year or, or, or the next week. I, I'm not fearful about, well, are we destroying the world? Or I'm, I'm not fearful about those things. And the reason that you and I should not dread those things is because Jesus, who created everything, has the ability to sustain everything. If you believe that to be true, would you affirm that by saying amen? So here's what... John's helping us, and Paul's helping us to see that Jesus is this originator. By him, he says, all things were made. He's the agent in which the Godhead chose to move. Through him, all things were made. He's the very reason or the goal or the pinnacle, the very reason. It says all things were created not only by him, through him, but for him. God revealing himself generally through creation in that, we begin to understand and joy and delight in beauty and glory and the complexity of creation. Through creation, we are allowed to know God generally. And so yesterday at the Shaw House, we're getting up leaves, and we're just running over them, mulching them up, mulching them up, and Jacob's blowing them out from around the house and in the thing, and we're just mulching up leaves, and I'm looking at the trees, and I'm looking at the grass, and I'm just outside looking at creation. I'm thinking, man, God is this wonderful creator that even in winter, even in winter, when everything goes dormant, some things begin to die. You can still see the wonderful glory of God. The sky was blue. Uh, at the particular time we were out, there was not a cloud in the sky. The sun was shining, and so... It kept us warm while we were on that mower. And we were, just be, we were just able to be out there and think, God has created and worked in all of this. Preacher, I understand what you're saying about 
that through Christ all things were created, but how does that reveal the love of God to me? It reveals the love of God because without God, are you listening? If you are, say amen. Without God revealing himself, we would not know God. Did you all catch that? Without God being this self-revealing God who demonstrates his beauty, his glory, that demonstrates um, all that there is to understand about loveliness and about us delighting and enjoying in him, all of that is through God's general revelation that he makes through creation. Paul builds on this. He says, even when you've not heard the gospel, people are without excuse. Because he says in Romans chapter 1, he says that people's conscience are made aware that there is a God and this God exists because their conscience reveals that to them as they look at creation. The very created order reveals that there is a God who exists. That's why oftentimes people will pray, even though they don't know Christ, even though they weren't raised in church. People will cry out and say things like, oh God, right? I, I need you, or why did this happen? Sometimes people will curse God because they're mad at him. But it is through this creation that God reveals himself. My brothers and sisters, um, one of the wonderful things about relationship is relationship um, creates. There's a wonderful beauty that happens uh, in relationship. And this created order helps us to understand that there is a God and he has revealed himself. But there's a problem with just God revealing himself through creation. Watch this. It is that you may know about a God, but you may not know who that God is. And for some of you here who you may be here and you're an uh, you are an inclusivist, meaning that you think there are many ways to God, not just Christ, you would say general revelation is all we need because people look, they understand there's a God, and so for one God it may be um, their religion may be Buddhism, for another it may be Islam, for another it may be Christianity, for another it may be a lot of different ways, but there, you think there's a lot of ways to heaven. And I would want to say to you, that's just not true. There is one way to know God and to know him personally, and that is through Christ. And so that is where the incarnation comes. So God reveals his love to us through creation and through the incarnation. God revealing himself specifically through the incarnation, this coming of Christ. We're going to celebrate that, right, uh, toward the end of the month. And we're going to read this uh, when we get down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God reveals himself specifically. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, he not only lets us know through creation there's a God, but he lets us know how we can have a relationship with this God through Jesus Christ. And it is because God became flesh and dwelt among us through the person of Jesus. And so he reveals himself in a way that we can understand, that we can have relationship with. He models our humanity and he models the deity of Christ. He models the, the power and the, the perfection of the Godhead. And he does that simultaneously. And he says for everyone who looks at Christ turning from their sin, believing that he died and rose from the grave, that when you have that specific knowledge 
and you turn from your sin and call upon Christ, that you can live forever. That you can live forever. Now, I want to say something about this this morning that's very important. My brothers and sisters, we are living in an age today where everybody wants to be inclusive about everything. And And if you say there's one way to know God, and that one way is through Christ, people become offended at that. People will say, well, what, what about the, the lesbian or gay or bisexual or, or the transgender community? What about all those folks who choose to live a different lifestyle but think they know Christ? What about the Muslim who's not a, a terrorist or who's not a, a jihadist, but what about the peaceful Muslim who goes about trying to do good and live peaceably among, among people? What about that person? What about the person who just believes God exists through nature, right? This Hindu person, and that you can know this God as you experience nature. What about that person? And here is what we have to know and understand this morning. While it appears that being inclusive is a characteristic that God would uh, embrace and that God would uh, cherish, I want to say to you, God is a very exclusive God. What do you mean about that preacher? He's jealous in his very character and nature, and he desires for all people to worship him and to worship his son, Jesus Christ. And so how does God reveal his love to us? He reveals his love to us through the creation order and through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And so when he's saying, when John's saying in verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is saying this, God loves you so much that he has chose to make himself known to you. Don't let that fact slip by you. We could have been the very men and women who were born on an island somewhere apart from God and apart from the gospel. But glory, hallelujah, we were born in a place and a time Uh, under grace and truth, whereby God has been so good to us, we have got to hear the gospel, and it is that gospel that sets us free, right? And so we celebrate this wonderful truth that God reveals himself. He's the self-revealing God. He does it through Christ in creation, through Christ in the incarnation, and he demonstrates that he loves us. If I told Tracy I loved you, when we were dating, we first started courting, and we got to that point where we were going to say we loved each other to one another, but I never demonstrated my love to her. I never revealed my love to her. How would she have known that I loved her? How would I know that she loved me if she did not communicate that and reveal that in some way or another? My brothers and sisters, God loves us so much that he came to earth in the form of human life, that we might know him, love him, serve him, and worship Jesus. If you're thankful for that, say amen. Jesus reveals the love of God to us, but Jesus reveals the life of God to us as well. He he makes a a tremendous statement in verse 4, and he's referring to physical life and spiritual life here when he says, in him, in Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. He reveals the dimensions of this life that he's speaking about uh, as you work your way through 
John's gospel, this theme, this reoccurring theme that you see over and over and over again in John's gospel, this idea of life, life that uh, John makes us aware of right here in verse 4. He helps us to understand the depth of that. He helps us to understand the breadth of that. He helps us to understand the height of that in John 11. You remember that story? How many of you remember the story of Lazarus dying? How many of you remember that story? And his sisters, Mary and Martha, you remember that? And uh, Mary and Martha had sent for Jesus. And when Jesus arrived, you remember what the ladies thought? Uh, Martha said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. What was Mary saying? Mary was saying, Jesus, why did you show up late? You're just, you didn't get here on time. And so consequently, Jesus had died. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, John 11, Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then there's a question that he posed to Martha that day. He posed that to Mary. He posed that to those uh, mourners who had gathered there to mourn and to grieve with the family. It's a question that he poses to you and I today. He said, Martha, do you believe this? What? And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And listen to Martha. Martha said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. What is he saying? Here is what John is saying in verse 4. In him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. He was saying that in Jesus, the human uh, revelation of the Godhead in perfection, listen to this, that in Christ comes physical life. That just as the universe was created, you and I were created. There's a, there's a tremendous thought to this that we, we just can't let time cause us to skip it. And it's this. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. Before he created you, God knew you. And as Jesus acted in creating you, it was the gift of physical life that you might know him, love him, and serve him forever. It's the very idea that when God sets his mind upon something, there is life. Why? Because Christ is life. That is the power of this Godhead. He lets us know that in Christ comes physical life and in Christ comes spiritual life. He says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. I love when God begins to demonstrate how you and I can have spiritual life. That life that means that life is more than just the physical life that we have, but that God wants us to know him personally and have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living within our hearts, through him cleansing us, regenerating us, 
forgiving us of our sin, covering our sin. This is spiritual life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Thursday, I was in Bowling Green, and I was uh, visiting John and Lily, and I, uh, John's doing much better. By the way, some of you ask that every Sunday, how is John doing? I think today is day, that was 46, 47, 48. Today's day 49 of John and Lily being in a hospital or being in a nursing home. And, uh, man, it's just been really touch and go. And it looks like he'll be there a couple more weeks. But I walked in that room and I sat down and it was just a good time. The nurses had been and they had gone. And so as we're sitting there visiting, I could just see John wanting to praise the Lord. He was just so excited. He was on the mend, getting better. And I said to them, tell me what this trial has done in your life, John and Lily. Do you feel like that you're more distant from the Lord? Do you feel like spiritually you're wore out? Or do you feel like right now that you're closer to the Lord than you've ever been? And John said, Preacher, there is no question in my life. I've never been as close to Jesus as I am right now. I said, Miss Lily, what about you? She was sitting on her bed over there, sort of in the corner, and tears started coming down her face. And she said, Pastor Randy, I've never known the Lord any better than I know him right now. Why are you sharing that, Pastor? Here's what um, the Lord does. Even though through trials and sickness and suffering and the outer man may be wasting away, we can have spiritual life when we have been born again and we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And even though the outward man perishes, the inward man is strengthened and renewed day by day. And then in John 11, he says, this is abundant life. So in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And everyone who lives and believes in me, this is real life. Preacher, do you really believe if I trust Christ and turn from my sin and I call upon him and I believe in him, that he's not only given me physical life, but he gives me spiritual life, that I can have abundant life? Yes. But the, here's the thing about abundant life. Abundant life does not mean abundant American materialism. Don't mistake those two things. Abundant life comes to the person who has found contentment and godliness in the person of Christ and the eternal plan that he has for their life, and they're resting in that. So no matter what particular state or circumstance they find themselves in, Little house, big house, no house. Old car, new car, no car. Uh, a young family, old family, no family. Whatever state you find yourself in, when Jesus is Lord and Savior, you have abundant life. And you say, why is that? Because the person who is looking at Christ knows and realizes that in Christ all things belong to them as well. Man, I am thankful. For that. Life is not just about materials, but life is about Christ. It's the essence of abundancy. He is. And then when he says, shall never die, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die, this is eternal life. So when he says in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, he's saying this, John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Pastor, can I have eternal life today and know for sure 
that if I die, I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord. I want you to hear this. You can absolutely know without any uncertainty that you have eternal life. And that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and trusting his work. Preacher, do you think how we live causes us or determines whether or not we're going to get into heaven? No, I would tell you how Christ lives in you and through you determines that. And if Christ lives in you and Christ lives through you and he has allowed you to be born again, your old nature has been put to death and he has given you a new nature in Christ, you are going to be received eternally from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit because Jesus has satisfied God. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful blessing? Jacob wants to invite someone over to the house. I may not know the kid. I may know the kid. Uh, I may not know their family. I may know the family. Jacob says, Dad, this guy's okay. I want to invite him over to the house. And I'll say, how do you know he's okay? And he'll tell me, how he thinks he's okay and what he's wanting to do in that particular relationship. And so I'm able to say because of what the son has done, yes, bring him on in. Yeah, he can spend the night. Yes, he can come over. We'll have big dinner. Find out what he, his favorite food is, right? We can have some sort of dinner and fellowship with him. And Jacob will say, no, I don't want that. I just want him to come over and hang out, Dad. Don't, don't, don't crowd the party, right? And so are, are you tracking with me? What does that mean? If his friend knew Jacob, he gets in. If his friend doesn't know Jacob, I sure don't know him. He's not getting in. Are, are y'all tracking with me? When we know Christ, eternity is ours because Jesus has paid the price for us to be accepted by the Father. Jesus perfectly revealed the love of God to us, the life of God to us, and he reveals the light of God to us. Verse 5, he says, This light, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the very revealed glory of God, meaning that in Jesus is complete beauty, in, complete, in Jesus is complete brilliance. That's why when you read Luke's account, of the nativity and of the incarnation, you have shepherds singing and you have angels singing and you have this rejoicing and you have this star. Why is that? Because Jesus is this wonderful revealed light of heaven who has come to shine in a dark, dark place. Arkit Hughes says this, when you think about this light, the light shines continually and the light shines victoriously. You need to see that. He says the light shines in the darkness. That means he, he shines. He didn't want shine, but he continually shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He shines victoriously. He shines continually. Concerning this idea of how Jesus shines, and there's no place that he doesn't shine, Arkent Hughes says that this idea that Jesus, the light of heaven, shines through the darkness means that he shines continually in the darkness, meaning that Christ is continually bombarding every corner of our hearts of darkness and every corner of the darkness of this world through the work, through the work of his Holy Spirit. And he does that through nature and through conscience and through the scriptures. 
What are you saying today, Pastor? I'm telling you there's never a time and never a place where the darkness prevails against the light or that the light does not shine. A matter of fact, have you ever thought of this? That John's testimony in the book of Revelation is that there is no night in heaven because Jesus is there and Jesus is the light of heaven and so it is perpetual day. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. If, if I was preaching that to those kids up there and teaching that to our kids in kids' ministry, they would get excited about no bedtime, right? There's this idea we don't need rest because our bodies are going to be glorified and we walk in perpetual light because Jesus is the light. My brothers and sisters, when you listen to our crooked politicians, whether they be Republicans or Democrats, I believe there's enough of them on both sides. Someone say amen. When you listen to Washington and you listen to the media and you listen to the darkness, you may think that the darkness is prevailing. But I am telling you, it will not prevail because Jesus is this tremendous light that shines continually and he is accomplishing his will. Whether we see it happening or not, God is on the move. And he's revealing the dark recesses of our hearts. He's revealing them to us that we might know him, we might turn from our sin, and we might trust Christ. This light shines continually, and this light shines victoriously. Jesus is going to put an end to all evil, an end to all the consequences of evil and sin as he establishes his kingdom on earth. There is not, will you stand to your feet, there is not this cosmic battle going on, my brothers and sisters. Jesus does not struggle to overcome the darkness. He does not struggle to overcome the darkness. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Don't y'all go tell it very much. I was 15 when I moved to Kentucky. In uh, the city, we fished some in the forest preserves. You couldn't really hunt in the forest preserves around the city. And so the only time that we would get to hunt is when we would come here. Uh, during the summers, Medcalf County was our vacation. I, I, I didn't know Disney. I didn't know the beach. I, I didn't know vacation spots. I knew Edmonton, <laughs> Spur, uh, gas station there. I learned of moon pies and RC Colas. Somebody say amen, right? My brothers would try to encourage me. We knew we were going to be moving for about four months. It was a time of death for all of us kids. It was a time of death. I was leaving two older brothers and a sister there. I was being uprooted at the end, I think, of my freshman year. And we were coming to Edmonton. So my brothers would encourage me and they would say, you're going to get to go deer hunting. And I would say, do they have grizzly bears? <laughs> That's what I knew, how much of a city circus I was. 
They would say, get up early in the morning, go out in the woods and kill you a big deer. And so when we moved, um, it was already the end of deer season. Back then it didn't run through January. It was, it, we, we moved between uh, Christmas and New Year's, I believe. And so we got here, it was over. But I had all that that summer. I just I wanted to become like you all. I wanted to do the life of a country person. So my uncle had always said, y'all move down here, I'll give you a horse. So I said, Uncle Philip, give me a horse. Can you imagine a 15-year-old city slicker with a horse? That thing hit me in the ribs. Uh, it, it nipped at me. It, it just, uh, me and that horse didn't do well. The horse was smarter than I was, right? And so moving toward the fall, I could not wait to go deer hunting. Could not wait. And so I had a place. My neighbors had some woods up there. We had seen some deer, and they said, yeah, you can hunt. And so... I didn't know about tree stands. I, I didn't know about blinds. I took my dad's 30-30, opening day of gun season. I was just going to walk. There was this big tree, and I thought, I can sit there at the base of that tree. If I'm real still, no deer will see me. And it was looking down over a little ravine. I thought, I can kill that deer. Everything was great. The plan was laid. And I got out of the house that morning. I walked across the road. I crossed the barbed wire fence. I walked across this long field. And I was heading toward those woods. I could see everything perfectly until I got in those woods. My brothers didn't say, you want to take a flashlight. I wasn't smart enough to take a flashlight. I just wasn't smart enough. But when you're raised in the city and you're going into the wilderness, you have all this survival gear. So I can remember in this little bag that I was carrying, I put some matches in there. And so I thought, I can't see where that tree is at. And so I thought, I'm going to light a match and see if I can tell where I'm at. And so I got the matches out, not thinking that the odor would run deer away. You know, I, I strike that match, and I'm telling you, the darkness fled. One match in the edge of the woods lit up the whole face of that woods. And it allowed me to see, oh, down there, that direction is the tree that I need to go to. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is such a representation of the revealed glory of God. Darkness flees at the mention of his name. He is the light of this world. Let's go share him this Christmas season. And if you're here this morning and you have never received the love of God, you're not for sure that God loves you, I'm telling you upon the authority of his word, he loves you. Will you come today? Will you right there in your seat pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins, to be the Lord of your life? Will you turn, repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your Lord? Will you find life, eternal, spiritual, physical, abundant in him? And will you trust Jesus to make the darkest recesses of your life shine with his glory? Father, in the name of Christ, work in our hearts. Help us to be people who share the light, the life, and the love of Christ with others. God, thank you for revealing yourself to me. God, I think of... Uh, 
BBS teachers and wanna workers. I think of good friends. I think of church members and Christians who shared Christ with me when I was lost and apart from Him. And God, through that gospel, you were revealing your love and life and the light that could set me free from the miserable darkness. So God, today, would you set captive hearts free? Lord, would you allow people to know how much that you love us and care for us, not according to what we do or don't do, but all according to the work of Christ on his cross. God, as we lift up this hymn of invitation, God, I pray that for those of us who are believers, you will motivate us and encourage us to shine brightly and allow you, Lord, to be seen this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that you would that person who's who's just life is just hard right now and darkness seems to be prevailing I pray that God they'll find hope in the person of Christ for the person who's lost and they don't know you even as you saved Dalton even as you saved Ashley God I pray that you would save others today and I ask all of these things in Jesus name let's sing together faith family